In this video, we're gonna talk about should you attend NACA, what IA firm trainings you should or shouldn't do. I'm gonna talk about the New York Adjuster's License. I'm gonna talk about what certifications are absolutely critical for you to get started as an independent adjuster. And finally, in the members block, I'll talk about how to sketch a roof and Xactimate from a satellite image. Google Maps, starting now. This is Adjuster TV, Adjusters First. Adjuster TV is brought to you by Adjuster TV Plus. Should you attend the National Association of Catastrophe Adjusters Conference in January? And the short answer, if you don't want to watch any farther than this, is yes, it is pretty much mandatory for you as an adjuster, especially if you're just starting out, to go attend the National Association of Catastrophe Adjusters Conference. Now, for the, the rest of you who kind of want to stick around and figure out and, and hear about why, the really the main reason for attending this particular conference is no, it's just really one thing. And that is, is that the networking is absolutely um, it's better than any other possible networking that I personally think that you can do. And the way this particular convention works out of and it's the way it's different from other conventions um, is that it's a convention where. The expo hall is full of 10 by 10 booths, like rows and rows and rows of them. And in every single one of those booths, almost every single one of them, most of them is an IA firm or an independent adjusting recruiting outfit or a company that will hire independent adjusters, people that are laterally related to the field. But it's primarily all independent adjusting firms. And I would say that every that the independent adjusting firms that are serious that have that are serious about putting adjusters out in the field and developing new talent, those are almost always in attendance at this particular conference. I mean, we're talking the heaviest possible hitters out there: the, the pilots, the Crawfords, the Eberls, the Renfro's, the Alacrities, the Wardlaws, the um, so on and so forth. All of these companies are. The, the big ones, the ones that have been around for decades, the ones that recognize the value of face-to-face, hand-to-hand contact with people who are either looking to move around in the field, in the industry a little bit, or who are brand new to the industry or are looking to be onboarded and further developed um, to, to get work and to really get into this rewarding um, industry as a, as a property claims adjuster. Okay, Those are the companies that show up. I... And not to say that there's anything wrong with it necessarily. They may have other other ways of doing it. But the companies that don't attend this conference um, tend to kind of fall off the radar, at least fall off my radar anyway. Um, I, I don't find that them them to be maybe they don't have the need. Right. There, there could be a million different reasons why a company wouldn't attend the, the National Association of Catastrophe Adjusters Conference. Um, but. I think that the ones that are serious about it and the ones that are that, that show up every single year um, are the, those are the companies that you, as a brand new adjuster, should focus on first um, when you're getting started in this industry. And the best way to do it, and arguably the cheapest way to do it, is to is to to register and attend this travel to and attend all four four and a half ish days of this conference. Okay. The reason why it'll save you money is because, you know, if you have all these like major uh, IA firms and 
you wanted to interview in person with them, with their with their vice presidents of operations, their recruiting directors, their HR people, the team managers, the people that actually hire that actually will be your boss in the field. Those people are all at this conference. Um, if you wanted to try and get that kind of access to those people, one company at a time, you're traveling to Dallas, you're traveling to Mobile, you're traveling to Atlanta, you're traveling to Orlando, you're traveling to New York, you're traveling to Ohio, you're traveling to Denver, right? Um, multiple trips, multiple times a year to work into the schedule to try and do that. If you can even do that, right? Not every one of these these companies, uh, in fact, even have a conference of their own. Some do, uh, but not all of them do. And they rely on this particular conference to be the one that is where this is the conference where they're going to get the most bang for their buck. And this is where you're going to get the most bang for your buck from a networking standpoint it's not and it's all day long for three monday monday wednesday uh, monday tuesday wednesday it is all interviews there are courses that you can take at this at this uh convention for ce and so on and so forth but i think the, the biggest value by far and where you should really focus your attention is in film they have an app for the for the event right you can and you can set appointments to sit down and interview with all these companies a little app schedule thing. Fill that thing for all three days. Sunday is uh, registration and check-in. There's an evening event. There's evening events all week. And then Thursday is an NFIP event that may or may not be for you as a new person. So attend this conference. It is absolutely critical for your career. Should you go to independent adjuster independent adjusting firm trainings um, that each individual adjusting firm has. So just to kind of give you a little backstory on this, um, what you may be seeing out on social media is that people will say, well, you don't have to pay for formal training like at Adjuster TV, the fast track deployment program, or to MoCat, or to veteran adjusting school or to Vail training solutions or to caddy or to whatever, right? You, you don't have to pay anything. You're going to see people out there saying that you can just get into this for free, right? And you can try, you can certainly try and do that. But the problem is, is that that's when, and they'll say the reason why they'll say that you can do that is because well, just you could just go to you know Alacrity's uh, independent adjuster training. Alacrity has trainings for adjusters all the time. Crawford has trainings for adjusters all the time, and they really do. They have all these companies have trainings. Pilot has Claims College, right? They have all these um, resources for you as an adjuster. And in a lot of cases, especially with these big companies, they may not even be willing to give you any work or claims unless you've gone through their trainings, right? I want to caution you, and, and, I'm, and I'm in no way am I trying to say here that the IFRM trainings at any IFRM are not good or that they're incomplete in some way. But really, the overall point of those particular trainings is to sort of indoctrinate you into the pilot way of doing things. And it may be combined with a carrier certification, right, like a, a Allstate or State Farm. And the same thing goes with Crawford and so on and so forth. This, These are the qualities that... Uh, we embody here at our IA firm, and we want to make sure that you understand those so that when you out in the field, that you're representing us as an IA firm um, to a very, very high standard, right? That's a lot of what those trainings are about is that absolutely they're going to teach you, adjust your skills, you're going to learn some Xactimate, so on and so forth, right? But for, and I, this, is, this is why I will tell you that you have to do those, right? And they may be free or they may be very, very low cost. 
but you have to get some like trade school level training of your own, right? You have to take things kind of into your own hands with this. Your success is going to depend on how prepared you are, not by and and that that will depend on how willing you are to go after that 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 level of preparedness, right? And it's not going to your success isn't going to be predicated on well, you know, I I went through claims college or I went through Crawford's thing or I went through Alacrity's ABCs, you know, of adjusting thing. Um, those things you could kind of think of those as 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 solid trainings. But if you show up to those trained, you're going to get a lot more out of those trainings. You're going to be light years ahead of everybody else around you who's still trying to, they're taking the wrapper off their laptop and trying to figure out where the on button is, let alone, I don't even know what Xactimate is, right? You're not going to be that person. You're going to be the person who's got the the, the beginnings of the chops down, right? The, the, the basic skills. And these companies are, they, they also use these events, right? This is something that not everybody knows. I say it all the time and still people don't know it. They use those events, those trainings as recruiting events, right? So if you show up and you're like sitting in the back of the room and you're asking, you know, um, I have an HP, I think it's an HP and I can't figure out how to turn my computer on. You're probably not, you're probably going to be at the bottom of the list. I'm sorry to say it, but you're not showing up to something. You're not sh showing that you're serious about this. If you show up and you crack your laptop open, and your first question out of your mouth is, is, you know, I was working with, with the Vertex tool here and I couldn't get it to do, uh, you know, I wanted to try and get it to do this different angle and I, and I couldn't get a door on it. Can you help me with that? Right. Well, you have somebody's attention there because you actually have put some time in to learn, to, to get started learning Xactimate before you even showed up to this thing. And if you're asking good questions, your, your, your attendance, these, you know, to daily to the, the things is great. You are kind of sneaking over during breaks and being like, Hey, I just wanted to introduce myself. I do have a level two certification. I went to MoCAD and I'm really excited about this. I'm learning a lot from your training and it's really, you know, filling in the blanks of everything else that, that I learned from other trainings. Um, I'm very, I'm really excited to get on your roster, right? My name is Matt. Then goes back and sit down, you know, when the class resumes, they're going to remember you. So I would say attend these, these conference or these, uh, all of them to all the, any company that you want to work for, go hobnob, show up prepared for sure. I want to talk about the New York adjusters license and why it is absolutely important. And, and if you want to be a remote adjuster, if you want to stay home and, and work in your PJs from your, when you, from your couch or whatever, and have the refrigerator eight, four steps away from you. You need the, the New York adjuster's license even more than a field adjuster. And, and here is why. The reason why we tell you to go after all the licenses, especially as a remote desk adjuster, but as any kind of an adjuster, is because every single one of those licenses that you get is a key that opens up that state for you to work in, right? So if you had a Hawaii license, you could have been helping helping out in Maui, right? If you have an Alaska license, you could be helping out the next time that they have an earthquake or they have some major disaster, a tsunami, whatever, right? If you have your California license, you could have been helping out with all the rains and the flooding and everything else that happened in California from Hurricane Hillary, right? If you have a Nevada license, you could have been helping out the people on Burning Man that got their RVs stuck in the mud. Maybe not that one. But the point is, is that if you don't have the license, the California license, the Florida license, the New Mexico license, the Minnesota license, you can't work claims in those states, right? And a lot of those, there's 340 million people, give or take, uh, living in the United States, right? And the vast majority of those people own property of some kind that has insurance on it, right? And most of those people live in these really, really highly densely populated states like California, New York, 
uh, Texas, right? Florida, those states have lots and lots and lots of people living in them. And even in the, the, the adjacent states in a lot of those areas. If you want to be a desk adjuster and you want to, you let's say you live in Colorado or even Texas, Colorado doesn't have a license requirement for adjusters. Um, but even if you live in Texas where you have to get a Texas license and you're like, I just want to be remote. You're not going to get a whole lot of work if the only license that you have is Texas, right? Because your IA firm, the carrier in particular, in order to remain, you know, copacetic with the law, if if they have an event in New Hampshire and they're like, hey, we need some remote adjusters, uh, we're going to have some folks go out and photo and scope, and then we need people to, to sit in, sit at home at their you know breakfast nook and write these up and exactimate, right? You have to have a New Hampshire license. You can't just like sit in your place in Denver and just get claims from everywhere, right? Being the license doesn't mean that you that it only counts for people who actually go to the state and work the state, right? The, the New York adjuster's license is extremely important for really the, the primary factor that New York is one of the most populous states in the country, right? There's millions and millions of people that live in New York. Has major, they're probably the biggest me major metro area. It's got Long Island, which is densely populated, and then the, the whole state. And then you go to the other side of the state. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of property in New York. And while they may not get like extreme weather, like say Kansas does, right, or Southwest Missouri, uh, or even Texas, they still have events there, and they still have daily claims in New York, right? So the toilet doesn't care what month it is, doesn't care what the economy is doing, doesn't care what the tropics are doing, doesn't care what, who the president is, doesn't care about any of that stuff. It's going to overflow, right? For, for its own reasons, right? Whether it broke, just wear and tear, or somebody put something in it, whatever, right? That's a daily claim. And that's a claim that if you are in, live in Colorado and they have opportunities for you where you can run desk claims, um, daily claims in another state like New York, you can get that claim, right? So why would you limit yourself to just, well, I live in, I only want to, I only want to do stuff in, in Texas and I really want to work remotely just from home, right? You're, if you only have a Texas license, you're only going to try, you're only going to get work in Texas. And because Texas is, probably has more adjusters per capita. No, I know. It's not probably. Texas has more adjusters per capita than any other state, independent adjusters, right? So you're, you've got a lot of competition. Three out of five of your neighbors might be IAs also who are doing remote work, right? So do you want to limit yourself by only having one license or just getting a couple of, well, I'll just get Florida and Texas and that should be enough, right? If you want to make good money at this, you're going to have to have some skin in the game. And a big part of that is having a lot of license all of them if you can. And, it's, and I would I argue, again, it's, it's even more important for a desk, remote desk adjuster to have all of the license, even more so than it would be for a, a, a field adjuster who's going to jump in their car and hit the road to handle claims in other states. I really want to talk about, give you a good, solid answer to the question of, well, what certifications should I get, right? There's a lot of certifications out there. Um, not all of them have, all I would say this, all of them arguably have some value, right? But where we, what we want to do, especially if we're going to transition into, into independent adjusting and the property side, uh, what we want to do is we want to prioritize the things that are going to move the needle the most for us, right? Especially right out of the gate, right? So a drone certification. I don't think, I mean, it has uses, right? And I talk about drones on this channel. I'm not a huge fan of drones. Um, I, for a number of reasons, and you can watch those videos. Uh, but for the, the amount of money that it costs 
All right. And if you want to get a good high quality drone that has a 45 minute flight time, it's over $2,000 just for the, the equipment, then getting a training for it costs money, right? For, to get like calibrated into like how to use the drone as, as a claims adjuster and then getting your part 107, which is a license and so on and so forth, right? It's expensive for, and it, but, but I think it's only useful really in edge cases, right? So it's, it's, it's not really, it's not something that I would prioritize as a new adjuster as something that like, yeah, well, first thing I gotta do is get my drone license, right? Um, I would say same thing goes for rope and harness. Um, however, that's not going to be something that's going to like get you work necessarily. I will tell you to get rope and harness certified to learn rope and harness um, and get good at it, right? Practice it because it's very, 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 very important that you practice this stuff. Because if you don't, and I say this all the time in these videos, if you don't know the knot, you, you'll you'll die. You could you can be severely injured, get your neck broken, break both your legs, end up in a wheelchair, so on and so forth, right? It's because it's it's fall protection, and if you don't do the knot right, it'll come undone, right? And where you go. And then all that gear is worth nothing. Um, I would say from a personal safety standpoint to get rope and harness certified, right? But it's not going to get you work necessarily. Other things that I think are a much, much greater value to the industry that will uh, absolutely uh, look good on a resume and will translate into good skills for you and will translate into um, a, a hiring manager taking a look at your resume and saying, Oh, well, he's got this. You know, we need somebody that's that's can do this or that or the other thing, right? And one of those, of course, is um, the fast track to deployment certification, which is designed to teach you the entire claims process from start to finish, including scheduling, including doing physical inspections on buildings, scoping, writing scope a scope of damage, writing the estimate. Uh, how to put together a photo report, which is a lot more important than you might think if you've never done this before, and then documenting your file, um, and as well as Xactimate training, right? So that that program right there hits all the, the, the main pieces that the independent adjusting firms are after. They honor it, they value it, and they will put priority on somebody who has that certification over somebody who does not have that certification, right? Another one I would say, um, a pretty good one to get right out of the gate would be the Hague Certified Inspector. Um, there is a requirement on that one though, where you have to have, uh, you have to sign a statement saying that you've looked at or inspected or walked on at least 100 roofs. Um, and really, I think in any capacity, I could, there could be a, a, a some fine print there that I, I don't, I'm not aware of, but as far as I know, it's, it's been on roofs doing some kind of inspection, whether it's roof sales or you're doing, you know, photo and scope or whatever, where you've walked on, on these roofs, right? That's a requirement, a prerequisite to get the um, Hague certified inspector certification. Um, but I think that's a really, really good one to get because there's a lot of damage identification there. There's a lot of, well, I'm standing on a roof and I'm looking at it. Is that damage or is it just wear and tear? Right. And that's, a, that's a huge thing, right? The minimum part of that is that it just takes a long time to stand there and be like, I don't know. Right. Is it really damaged or not? Well, and then you got to look at the collateral damage. Is the collateral damage big enough? Does it justify, you know, could I, could I imagine that the hail knocks some pieces off of this, right? That, that particular certification helps you with that piece. And I think that that's as a, as a, a new adjuster, you know, the, the, the widest gate to come into this industry is going to be through cap property. And the biggest thing that you're probably going to do is going to be uh, cat, like uh, hail, right? So hail deployments. Um, so Hague certified inspector, fast track deployment. I think those are two, two really good ones and everything else below that is kind of like diminishes in, in like priority because of what you get out of it versus what it can do for you, if that makes sense.
If you want to watch the rest of this episode where I answer other questions ad-free, as well as get access to a members-only segment question and answer, head on over to adjustertvplus.com and become a member right now.